You know, last week, Ryan started off the sermon series called Being Human. And as he talked about that, he talked about the, the reality of humanity is, this, is we're complex individuals. We're complex people. Uh, it, we're hard to figure out. And even in the, he anchored uh, his message and this being human uh, uh, service and sermon series around Romans 7. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up your Bibles to Romans 7. We're going to be flitting back and forth from Romans 7 into Ephesians 4 as well uh, in the message here today. So if you have your Bible or your phone, you can pull your phone out that way as well. But he talked about it. Seven, uh, Romans 7 uh, verses 14 and 15 say this. So the trouble with, is not with the law. It is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I do what I want to do, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Isn't that what humanity is all about? It describes us perfectly, doesn't it? We're back and forth. I don't really understand myself. How many of you understand yourself? Two people. Good, yeah. It's kind of, okay, people, we got to help out on that. No. Uh, but the truth is, you, that is who we are. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which I believe that you are, if you're here, if not, we want, you to, we want you to dig into that and understand what that means for you in your life. We know this, that we've been forgiven. That as followers of Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven. And we know this, my, second, my, my favorite verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, 10. We become new creations in Christ. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So we know that we become new creations, that we're given a fresh start. Then the question I ask you is this, why do we keep messing up? Why do we keep messing up? Romans 7, go, go a few verses later, chapter, uh, verse 20 says, but I do what I don't want to do. I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin that lives in me that's doing the wrong. That doesn't work when you when you get a speeding ticket and you tell your wife, it wasn't me that was speeding, it was the sin that's inside of me that was, was speeding. It doesn't work very well. So God's going to speak to us today. He's going to tell us a little bit about how we deal with this as humanity. And we're going to dig into the topic of anger today. How does God deal with that emotion of anger in our life? But I'd like to start things off in a word of prayer. Let's go before the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Come, Lord Jesus. Enter our time as we gather in this space. God, I pray that anything that's not of you would fall away from us so we, could, we would hear clearly from you, myself included. You've given me words to share on this message, and I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would do work that I can't do, that my words fail to do. But because I'm speaking on your behalf, Lord God, do work and move in and through this space. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen? Amen. So here's the deal. When it comes to this feeling like it's sin, we're good, and we're bad, and it's all this. This is a lifelong tension that we're going to be facing until the day we breathe our last breath. We'll be struggling with this. I don't want to do those things. I do the wrong things. I keep making mistakes. I keep messing up. Romans 3.23 reminds us of that, that we all fall short of the glory of God. We know that we're saved by God's grace, but we're not free from sin. And we know that we're made for all of eternity, but guess what? We have to live today in our realities, don't we? We know that we're made in the image of God, which is beautiful, but we know that uh, that old sinful nature takes over, and that makes us broken. Brian's, or excuse me, Ryan said it over and over. We're beautiful and broken individuals, aren't we? We're beautiful and broken. What does this mean for you and me, that, that we can love Jesus and do our best to live the way that God wants us to live out so that we can give him glory, but we're going to make mistakes, we're going to mess up. 
And when we continue to mess up and make mistakes, doing things we shouldn't do and saying things that we shouldn't say, guess what? That gets in, sometimes it gets in the way of our relationships with one another, with building relationships. And a theme at Hosanna for this year, you've heard it, but I'll say it again. A theme at Hosanna is we're going to be making room this year. We're going to, God made room for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and God wants us to make room in relationships with other people. So we need to get this right on how do we build relationships with new relationships, with old relationships. How do we deal with this matter? How do we do this? Well, we need to confront the whole sinful nature in our life that says, why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Maybe I've said this to you before. I don't remember if I have, but what do I usually like to eat at 10 o'clock at night? Yeah, good job. He listened, everybody. I love ice cream. And I have, a pro- I have an issue with ice cream. At 10 o'clock at night, I have an issue. It's either ice cream or it's nachos, okay? Th- those are my, that's my deal. I, I flip on Care 11, and I start watching. I'm like, oh, I might go put in some, I, I grab a plate of uh, tortilla chips, put cheese on it, put it in for a minute, 22 seconds, which is perfect timing. It's all melted on there, and then I just gorge away. You know what I mean? And I know that I shouldn't do that. I know that it's not what I want to do because, you know what, why do you think I go to the club in the morning at 6.30 to work that off, you know? Can you imagine if I didn't do that, what I'd look like? Sorry, guys. All right, settle down. But, but here's the deal. We do the things that we don't want to do because of our sinful nature. And we got to get that right. we got to understand that. It's a part of being human is also dealing with our emotions. And we're going to talk about today is dealing with the emotion of anger. Dealing with the emotion of anger. Maybe you've heard it said that anger is considered to be dynamite for the soul. It blows things up, like the building that you see here. That has the ability to do some significant damage in our lives. That anger, uncontrolled, undealt with anger, can do significant damage in our lives and in our relationships. And that's not what God would want. You know, I was doing some uh, research on this and just examining this a little bit more, and there's four areas that anger impact, negatively impacts our lives. The four areas are this. The first one is anger ruins our bodies. Did you know that? When we live with chronic and consistent anger in our lives, it ruins our bodies. It says this, 19% of researchers report when you live with that consistently, 19% of people can contract heart disease or heart illnesses as a result of undealt with anger. So it ruins our bodies. The second thing it does, it destroys community. When we live in anger in our lives, it destroys community and it destroys relationships. When we get angry or upset, what do we do first? Well, oftentimes we use words and our words become weapons for those people around us and do significant, maybe irreparable damage in our lives because those words come out and they're harmful and they they wound people and they leave marks that last for many, 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 many years. The third thing we want to dig dig into is anger robs us from wisdom. It takes wisdom from us. So we don't make, in our state of anger, we don't make wise choices in the midst of that time of anger. In fact, we make poor choices. Proverbs 14, 29 says, A patient man has great understanding. A man with a quick temper displays folly. Have you ever done it? Have you ever lost it? Anybody ever lost it out there? Just blew up, okay? I remember you, you just blow up and you all of a sudden, you just, I, don't, I don't know where this comes from, but you, you let the words come out and it's loud and it's obnoxious and you're in your face like this and you're saying things and guess what? After you get done doing that and you walk away and you think, did I just do that? 
We think that, don't we? Did I just make a fool of myself? And the answer is you did. You were unwise in what you did because anger got the better of you as a result of that. So, anger has the ability to ruin our bodies, destroy community, robs us of wisdom. And the fourth thing that anger does, it robs our will of us. It robs us of our will. And Proverbs 19.19 says, A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue that man, you will have to do it over and over and over again. Perpetual lifestyle of anger continues to live in that person's life. Anger as an emotion is the one that's most closely associated with, with an addictive disorder. Did you know that? It's the one that's most closely associated with addictive behavior. What does that mean? Well, anger leads you to, to be in a position of denial, that I don't, I'm good. Nothing wrong here. I'm okay. And maybe you've heard it said, you know, I'm not angry. I'm just telling people how it is. I'm not angry. It's like, really? Your voice is up here. You're living in denial. And here's what happens when we live in denial. We know this. Because, you're, because you deny the anger in your life, you have anger. Because you deny the anger in your life, you have anger. So uncontrolled anger hurts relationships. And you would note this, that angry people are oftentimes lonely people because they've done so much damage to the people around them. God doesn't want that for his people. God doesn't want that for you and me. He wants us to be in relationship with him and with one another. Now, there are two kinds of angers that we're going to talk about here, and it's pretty obvious what they are. There's good and there's... Let's try this. This is an all play. There's good and there's... Okay, thank you. All right. So the reality is there's good anger and there's bad anger. The good anger happened like when in the Old Testament, when God chose the Israelites to be his chosen people. They didn't do anything to deserve it, but out of his simple grace, he said, you are my chosen people. And he gave them laws, and he gave them commands that they were meant to live by. God elevated the value of women, the uh, children, and marriage, and what that looks like in relationship. And then the Israelites, again, turned away from what God wanted for them, that God's best was for them. And they did their own things. They began worshiping other gods. They even began uh, human sacrifice as well. Uh, to please the gods, and this angered God so much. So God rightly responded with righteous anger on the Israelites. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus, when he went to the house of prayer and uh, to the temple, and the Jews back in that time, they turned this house of prayer into the mall of Israel. Okay, people would come there and they'd sell their goods and sell animals and change money over, and they they had all these tables set out. Now all they were doing was selling things and selling other, other animals that would be used in sacrificial acts. This isn't what Jesus was calling us to do. So Jesus walks into this place, and what does he do? We know that. Righteous angry flips over the tables. He goes, not in this house. Not in this house. You know, another way that we use good anger is this, is when you experience injustice, something that's gone wrong, something that we have the ability to do something about. We saw that magnificently played out about a month ago, in this last month or so. When, when, when 8,000 people rallied together to prepare over 2.1 million meals for Feed My Starving Children. That's, a, that's good anger. That's an injustice. Yeah, thank you. That's good stuff. That's good. That's God using an injustice or a situation that compels us to move forward to make a difference. That's good. God calls us to reach out to the least of these, and I would say there's there's many organizations in Northfield that do that, but three that we partner with are the Community Action Center. They're doing incredible work in the Northfield community. 
And when you volunteer for them, you're responding with good anger, saying, I've got something that I can offer. You know, there's the Norfield Women's Center. Many of you guys volunteer at the Women's Center, and we support the Norfield Women's Center. And then there's the, the key, where there's kids that are struggling with issues, and a lot of our people volunteer and help at the key. So you can do a lot of things locally. You can go on a mission trip internationally. You can see what God's doing across the ocean and say, you can make a difference in those environments as well to see firsthand the needs of children across, across the other side of the world. And I had a chance to do that. My brother Swen and I, and some of you know this, some of you don't, but we travel around the country. We do some concerts and convention ministry. You know, maybe about six or seven weekends a year, we fly out to a destination and we lead at a gathering. But we had an opportunity to partner with Compassion International. If you've ever heard of it, it's a, a child sponsorship program. And we've been doing work with them for about 10 years. And so I'll go to a concert. We'll lay some sponsored children out. We'll talk about it a little bit. And people have an opportunity to say, I can do something here. I can help here. Well, it was an exciting opportunity about six years ago for us when they flew Swan and I to Ecuador to one of their compassion sites. And we got to see compassion at work in the slums of Quito, Ecuador. And in, that, in the midst of that environment, I got to meet some of the children that were in this school. And I got to, at that time, I got to... Uh, Fortunately, pick out a child, a sponsored child that I could adopt. And this was our third ch- child that, that our Swenson family adopted for Compassion International. Why? Because we can make a difference. God wants to use us so we can make a difference. So there's good anger. There's bad anger. But God wants us to talk about uh, the bad anger today and how we get to the root of that. How do we deal with that? How, are we, how do we overcome that unhealthy anger that makes you feel like this world owes me something? I've been robbed. Somebody took something from me, and that anger that wells up inside of us, that anger that's been built up or pent up for long, it's deep-seated and deep-rooted. And God gave me this word yesterday, called, and it was generational. It was generational. Some of us have been living in generational anger for year after year after year. And maybe your parents did. Maybe your grandparents did. I'm not, I don't know. But that word came across me. You know, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay in that, that place of generational anger or anger in our lives. We've got a remedy for that. So the reality is, is that anger builds up, and sometimes it's significant. Sometimes it seems insignificant. An example that might, might be this is maybe you worked hard on a project for your work company, and you work with a group of people in that, and you did most of the work, and you carried the bulk of the load, and somebody else got the benefit of the load. They got a promotion. And you're thinking to yourself, are you kidding me? What happened to me? Why, why did they just pass me by? You know, I, I led a ministry for, for a decade at our Hosanna Lakeville campus called Life Hurts. And I would tell you, 75% of the students that came to that Life Hurts program came from, from uh, broken marriages or broken homes. And so there, there, there are many parents that have walked out of their lives and, and they've been angry ever since. A lot of the things we would deal with is, was the root of anger in their lives because they feel like somebody stole their childhood from them. I don't know if that's you. It resonates with you. Perhaps you've been a person or a victim of abuse. Somebody did something to you, said something to you, uh, performed something to you in a, in a wrong way and did some damage to you. They, they robbed you of your security or significance or your self-worth and who you were. And if that happened to you, I'm truly sorry that that happened to you. I'm truly sorry that happened to you. At the heart of anger is Pain. At the heart of anger is pain and the belief that something was taken from me. Something's been taken from me. 
Now, I'm not saying today that you're not justified in feeling angry. You certainly have a right to feel angry. But what it's done with that, whatever the purpose was, whether it was an accident, whether it should not have happened, it shouldn't shouldn't have happened. I know that. I understand that. And I get that. Trust me, I get that. I understand that. That's happened to me over and over in my life. When I physically had a teacher lift me up by my neck against the locker, I know what it's like to be abused. I know what it's like to go through struggles in my life. We're all going to go through that. It's a lifelong thing that we're going to battle through. The reality is, is this. Jesus gets it too. He understands what it's like to be abused. When God sent his son Jesus down, he made sure that Jesus would understand everything that we feel, every emotion, every pain, every struggle that we go through. And we certainly do. And he grieves right alongside of you and me in the midst of that. So what do we do with this anger? You know, as even as I'm speaking that, and you know, I prayed over this, this space earlier this week on, on Wednesday and Thursday that, that God would speak to you today, that the Holy Spirit would convict you today to release some of that that's welled up inside of you. So how do we do that? What does it look like? Well, if you d- dig back into Romans, Romans 7, verses 24 and 25, Paul tells us what we do with that. It says, Who will deliver me from the struggle or trial in my life? And the answer is Jesus, our Lord, will do that. Jesus Christ, our Lord, will do that. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to remain stuck in our anger any longer. It no longer has to have any control over us. And get this, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that lives within us, and gives us hope that we can overcome that anger as well. Oftentimes, I'll throw in at this time just saying, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might be a great reason to say, you know, I want in on this. I want that freedom that comes from, from getting rid of that anger in my life that the Holy Spirit can do. We have a choice we can make. There's two ways we can go with this, this as well. We can allow anger to continue to well up in our lives, and we can become bitter people. Okay, Bitter people feel very justified in their actions. Bitter people feel that they're angry, uh, they're angry because of what happened to them, and it starts to define them. It starts to become their identity and who they are. And you can tell bitter people because it always seems like they're always ranting and raving or complaining about things in their life. And they never seem to let up. It's always, the gas pedal is always down. And they're telling everybody about the way their husband or their wife treats them. They're telling everyone about the the dysfunction of their children. They go and they spew out to everybody else, you should see my boss. You should see my boss. And they continue to just speak in that negative, coarse way about other people. And what they do is they keep doing that. It keeps fueling the anger inside of them. It becomes habitual. Anger can take over and bitterness gets produced. People living a life of bitterness, instead of staying focused on their anger, they become toxic people. They become toxic people. That's like a lot of people shy away from being around these kinds of folks because they don't want to get caught with it. Sometimes it even comes across and says, you know, what did I do to deserve that from that person? Why do they treat me that way? Maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe you just simply let them have their way. But bitterness becomes a coping mechanism for people. It's a way that they use control over their lives. But the reality is if they fear that they lose some sort of control to something, and it's actually that anger or that control that has them whipped. They become subservient to anger. 
And you can see as we're talking about this, how Satan will use this to rob us of life. This emotion called anger. Does this resonate with you? Does this make sense to you? You know somebody like this? Has this been you or is this you today? I'll often say this, that buried hurt is buried alive. You get that? Buried hurt is buried alive. If we bury it and act like it's not there, it's there. We can't just say it's, 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 it's still there. Buried anger is buried alive as well, too. If we suppress it and tuck it in, that stuff still remains with us. And I would say this, in, in, in my counseling sessions and my conversations with people, I'll often give people this little tool. I'll lo- I, I love you enough to fill in the blank. I love you enough to tell you and speak truth into your life. It gives you an opportunity to say, because I care about you, and I'll say this to you as a congregation, I love you enough to speak truth in your life today. And what I'm going to say to you is that there comes a time that you need to stop letting anger and bitterness rule over your life. I love you enough to say that to you. And you've got to take a truthful, honest look at the hurt or the person or the issues in your relationships that are causing you to feel that way. You need to stop using your story as an excuse of being angry and bitter. Stop telling your story over and over again and let's deal with it. Let's confront it. You know, your story explains your behavior, but your story doesn't excuse it. So God can help us rewrite that. And every time we tell that story over and over again or continue to relive that bitter or that anger part of our lives, we're giving power back to the person that put it there in the first place. We're giving a power and authority back over to the person that put it there in the first place. And my question for you is this, how long will you continue to do that? How long will you continue to let that person or what they said to you have an impact negatively on your life? How long will you let, them, let, it, let it control your day-to-day life and your relationships or your future relationships because you've never dealt with it? It's time to confront it. It's time to get honest with it. I mean, these people might not even be alive today, and you're still letting that have an impact on your life. These people more than likely don't even know that they even hurt you in the first place. Some of them do. Some of them fully understand that. But how long will they let them have that control over our lives? While we can't undo the things that have been done to us, we can't go back and rewrite that. We do not let, don't have to let them control us anymore. Through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can choose to forgive. We can choose to forgive. Instead of remaining angry, we can choose the beautiful side of us, and that's Christ in us doing a work that we cannot do, that only God can do. You know, forgiveness is more about the future than it is about the past. I mean, you want to forgive somebody, you want to move forward, because forgiveness frees us up to be all that God wants us to be. Maybe you've heard this old saying before, holding on to anger and bitterness is like drinking poison, poison, hoping it affects the person that hurts you. You're the one drinking the poison. You're the one going down. And I want to say this too as well. You may never ever get the apology that you deserve. You might have offered forgiveness. You may be holding on it, but you may never get the apology that you deserve. And that always reminds me of Jesus hanging on the cross as he's being crucified saying, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. He blessed them. He forgave them anyway as he hung on that cross. 
You know, think about this. The person that offended you probably isn't staying up all night worrying about you. They're probably not thinking about you. They probably let that go a long time ago. Yet somehow it still is impacting your life. Those, those people might even be dead, for goodness sake. And yet they still have that power or that control over you. I want to I share a story about this. Pastor Julia came up to me two, to about two months ago and said, uh, I'll, I'll change the name. I'm going to call this guy Larry. But she says, Dean, have you, have you seen Larry lately? Have you talked to Larry lately? And I'm like, man, come to, come to think of it, I haven't seen Larry for quite a while. I mean, I've been down here for a year, but it's probably been a year or two since I've seen Larry. She goes, well, you, you might want to check in with him. And I said, what's going on? She goes, oh, I don't know. He, says, he just said you said something, and he's been, he's been hurt by that. I said, okay. So I call up Larry, and I say, Larry, let's grab some lunch together, you know, and we, we get together, we get at the restaurant, and uh, he was visibly distraught. His, his face is red, and you could just see him just filled up with, with something inside, this anger inside of him. I said, Larry, you know, before we go any further, I just got to figure out what, what happened. What, what happened? And this, I, I, this Larry guy, he's a, he's a, he's a creative guy that has a, he's come up with a solution uh, that, that is significant, that I, that I believe what he's come up with is something that could go nationwide and impact people for the good. It's significant. And I know Larry. It's not the first time I've hung out with him. I've had, I've had lunch with Larry five to ten times over the last five years. I've gone down with Larry and his family to Vikings football games. So I'm in relationship with Larry. And as I'm sitting across from him, he's just looking at me. And I go, what did I say? I says, Dean, you told me that the stuff that I'm passionate about, that it, that, that it doesn't mean anything to you, and that, that, that nobody at Hosanna and none of the pastors are on board with what you're doing. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, you were like, you, this, this is junk and what you're doing doesn't mean anything to you and that nobody cares about it. And I go, and I thought to him, Larry, how many times have I shared like stories about it and got excited with you and prayed with you about it and, and said, hey, you could do this and I could see this going to Dakota County Technical College and I could see it going here. And I mean, I gave you some, I, I was, I'm passionate about this. I love what you're doing. He goes, yeah, but you said that. I said, I, I don't think I said that. He goes, you said it. You said it. No, you said it. And I go, and think about it. He hadn't gone to church in over two years. For these words that he heard me say that to, to this day, I don't believe I said. And we had to come to some common understanding. I said, Larry, Larry, if you believe I said that, I'm sorry that you believe I said that. I, I would never have said that. Will you forgive me for having heard that I said that? And, you know, we, we're rebuilding that relationship. And Larry's back in church, and we're having those conversations again. But some people don't even know that, you don't even know if you've affected people or that, that people have an impact on you in a negative way. They may not even be out there. You might not even know about them. For, forgiving someone's not always easy. But, but, but Paul talks about in Ephesians, and if you jump to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, or any other form of malice. Paul is telling us and warning us to get rid of it, to remove it. Get it out of your life. Get anything out of your way uh, regarding those things that becomes a relational wedge between, uh, between people. Why? So God can use us. You know, we're, we're God's answer to this earth, you and me. You're, we're God's answer. So God wants us to build relationship. God wants us to be in relationship with him so we can be in relationships with other people so that what? So that God can get glory and that people can earn salvation. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. You and me are the answer. So if we have these wedges that are in the way and anger gets in the way or we've done something or hurt somebody, we've got to come back and redeem that and work through that. That's what God wants us to do. You know, as Paul says that, you go, get rid of it, get it out of the way, you might be thinking, well, what does Paul know? (laughs) What does Paul know? He doesn't know anything about my life and what I've been dealing with. If you don't know about Paul or understand that, Paul was a man that was unjustly arrested and he was shipped away to Rome for a year. He spent a year in jail. In fact, that's where he, where he penned most of the book of Romans was while he was in jail. And Paul, instead of getting bitter and anger sitting in a jail cell, unjustly accused, he chose forgiveness. He chose the way of Jesus and he chose forgiveness in that situation. He practiced what he preached and he's telling us to do the same thing as followers of Jesus Christ. Don't just say I forgive you, but show you forgive each other. It's important to note. note. If we go on in Ephesians 4, verse 32, just beyond 31, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Just as God forgave you. Paul didn't stop and forgive one another. Paul didn't stop there. Why? Because Scripture instructs us that we're called to forgive because Christ forgave us. So, and we've been given this free gift of forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's asking us to do the same thing. If, I, if God does it to us through his son, Jesus Christ, we're called to do it to other people. Does this make sense to you? Does this resonate with you? We sinners have been forgiven a debt that we could not possibly ever repay because of our sinful nature. It says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the debt. And Ephesians 4.30 says, we're called to pay that debt too by forgiving others. Others that have hurt you, others that have wronged you. Now to be clear that forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget what the person did to you. It's not just say, oh, I'm going to forget about it. That's not what it means. Trust must be earned over time. I get that. Forgiveness means that you don't stop putting up healthy boundaries around that person or from other people that hurt you. You certainly can do that. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you stop seeking counseling with your spouse working on your marriage. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying here, forgiveness frees us so we're not caught up in it any longer and allows us to move forward. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about forgiveness, forgiveness is never presented as a feeling It's never presented as a feeling. Forgiveness is presented as a choice that you and I make. We choose to forgive. We choose to forgive. I want to say this. When you say you're sorry to somebody, it doesn't change the wrong that's been done. But when we say you're sorry, our hearts are shaped in a position to say, God, I'm going to allow you, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, to do the work that I can't do humanly possible. I can't forgive them because of what they've done. But God, in and through you, you can help me get to that point. And if we withhold forgiveness, if we continue to hold on to those anger points or those bitter points or those people in our lives that we don't like, that we don't want to hang around with, that we wish we'd never see again, when we continue to hold on to that, guess what happens? It continues that ongoing pain and heartache and hurt in our life. It continues to happen. In fact, it allows the seeds of bitterness to continue to fester and grow to the point where the person who hurt us once again will hurt us again and again and again, that habitual hurt and pain that we live in. Who are these individuals in your life? As I've been sharing this message, 
Who has the Holy Spirit put on your heart today? I shared at, my, I shared at our staff meeting on Thursday here about, uh, about a family member that I have. And there's some of this going on with me and that individual. I won't say names because they're going to watch later maybe. But I know that I got to do something about it. Came to tears about it. Got some, got some things I've got to resolve in as well. So that name goes at the top of my list. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. We're going to do a, a, a short little exercise with you. And this is going to be the starting point. It's going to be the starting point of what I hope will bring freedom into those relationships that are broken and where there's strife. The first thing I want you to think about, you can get out a sheet of paper if you want, get your phone out, I want you to write it down if you would. Or maybe you mentally note it, but who is it? Who's the person in your life? Who's the first name that pops up? What's the situation that comes to light as I mention that? What, who is it and what is the situation? Okay? I want you to write that down. I want you to think about that. Maybe it's a family member, an ex-spouse, an ex-girlfriend, a boyfriend, a coach, a boss, a co-worker. Who is it that comes to your mind? Not enjoyable to do this, but this is an important step for us to take care of. The next thing I want you to think about is what do they owe you? What do they owe you? What are the things that, what are the things that, that happened to you? What did they take from you? What did they rob from you? What did, they, what did they leave you without? And what would it take to make it right with that person? So think about, you've got to identify, what is it that they owe you? And then the next thing I want you to do is we want you to cancel the debt. Okay, so we know who they are. We know what the situation is. Uh, we know what they took for us or robbed from us. We know those things. And so now we have an opportunity to come before the Lord with God's help and cancel that debt. We get to say, Lord Jesus, we're laying this down at your feet. We're casting our burdens onto you, like it says in Psalm 55, 22. We're going to surrender this to you, Lord God, and, and, and we're, going to, we're going to confess this before you, and then, then we're going to ask you, Lord God, to say to these people that have heard us that they no longer owe me anything. They no longer owe me anything. In Jesus' name, this is debt is paid. I've forgiven them. And why would we do it this way? Jesus did it that way. Jesus fully canceled our debt, didn't he? Our sinful nature. He died on the cross on our behalf, and he invites us to cancel those debts of others around us. And if you do make a list, the next thing I see, destroy that list. Burn it, crumple it up, flush it down the toilet. You know, get it, get it, get it on a chair in front of you and, and pretend that person's there and verbally speak it out to that person. It might be hard and painful to do that, but get, release it. Release that and physically destroy that. And then finally, the last step we do is we close the case. We close the case. Feeling, uh, feelings take time to catch up with the decision to forgive somebody. So it could take a while. Memories are memories. We're always going to have them. Some memories might come back of what used to be and what used to harm you. But in Jesus' name, we face them straight on and we say, I have forgiven them, Lord, and I need your help, God. I have forgiven that situation. I have forgiven that person and what they did to me. And then you get to thank Jesus that he gives you the strength to move forward uh, to be the person that God's called you to be. And you decided as, your, as an act of your will to cancel the debt along with the Lord's help. It needs to be mentioned here. This, these final steps is if you're dealing with your anger and the anger's overwhelming and it's overcoming you and you've never got resolved from it, there's help available for you. If you've not heard about it, there's a ministry called Sozo 
that's in our Hosanna campuses. It's a deep, deeper healing ministry that helps us get to the bottom or get to the root of some of that pain in our lives. And through the power of prayer, we release that onto God. I've heard so many testimonies about how Sozo has lifted up some of those burdens in people's lives where we find freedom. There's help for you in that. We just finished our freedom course, our freedom story course here on our campus, and we had many people go through that and many great results of how they found freedom in and through talking that out with other people and hearing how God helps us to, to, to walk through those areas of, of entrapment from the enemy. Another thing is we have prayer ministers that come up every Sunday morning. We have prayer people that come up who would love to pray over you. We'd love to specifically lay that prayer down before them. And let the prayer minister, I would be more than happy to connect with you. If you know somebody on staff, have a relationship, they'd love to pray with you as well. We want to partner with you in walking this out. And lastly, if it's, if, if it's heavy and the burden is very deep, seek counseling. Find a Christian counselor, find a kind of counselor that can come alongside you and dig into those deeper areas that, that we're just not capable of doing. So there's different help that's available. And the goal of it is, is that we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to trust Jesus with this anger in our lives. Why? Because the Lord wants to put us in relationship with people so that we can make room for them because he made room for us and we can point others to know Jesus Christ. And when we deal with that and when we fix those things, God will allow us to live healthier, more abundant lives, no longer kept down from the weight of anger and bitterness in our lives. It'll help us build healthier relationships in our lives and have a deeper walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God wants to use it too for us to gain greater wisdom wisdom and understanding of how God's at work in our daily life and the purposes and plans that he has for us. And lastly, it allows us to be live, live our lives out to the full. So don't let anger and bitterness weigh you down. Find forgiveness through Jesus Christ and then forgive the debts of others around us. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, this, this message isn't easy. This is a challenging message, Lord, for me and for all of us that are, with, uh, that are hearing this today. God, I pray about those individuals that you brought to mind. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd search deep within us, Lord God, into those areas that we've maybe repressed or tried to stuff anger. I pray that that comes to the service, Lord. Help us to deal with it once and for all, Lord. Help us to live a life filled with joy and the promises that you give us that are found in Scripture. So I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would do a work that we cannot do and bring about healing, that we might experience forgiveness from you and forgive those who have come against us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen.